Thank you. everyone and welcome to a new episode of perfectly good podcast the only podcast on the internet where we are talking about every giant high song in alphabetical order i am one of your hosts jesse jackson and today the streetcar is very full yes we have as always my sister in all things hyatt sylvan welcome hi jesse and hi more than usual, but I have a lot of fun stuff to talk about, and I promise to keep it John Hyatt related. Oh, that's okay. We're we are very happy to go off on tangents. And <laughs> coming from behind the curtain, all the times when I go, hey, Mike, if you're hearing this, that means I forgot to edit it. Mike is joining us. Mike is my longtime podcast partner. And yes, the person that has been helping me out with editing. So Mike, welcome to officially Perfectly Good Podcast. Yes, streetcar, and I'm undesirable. <laughs> Got it. All right. Yes, I am Mike. I am TFG1 Mike. If you want to know what the TFG1 stands for, it's the great one, but that's not what it really stands for. It's actually Transformers Generation 1. I run, I co-created and run the Geek Castrio Network of Podcasts. I've been doing this for 15 years, and I am a podcast listener and audio person. I don't do this video. You can't see me. I'm not here. I'm invisible. <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah, so I've been doing audio for 15 years, and just every time I listen to any podcast, I don't care whose podcast it is, most times I won't call in or but Jesse and I have been friends for a long time, and I'm just like, you need help, because every time I hear you say something like, oh, I'll edit that out, and it's not edited out, because it's the published audio, and I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, Jesse. So yeah, I have, I have essentially taken over, and for the most part, he hasn't given me any complaints yet. Yes. So Mike has Mike. a heart of gold. Yes, Mike <laughs> does have a heart of gold. And sitting on the side, who has prompt, he has made us make a promise that he won't have to talk too much. But Chris, who was Sylvan's partner in these travels, is joining. Chris, welcome to the show. Hello, world. Uh, <laughs> great to be here and uh, meet you all. Jess, uh, I know Sylvan and uh, it's good to meet you, Mike. And, uh, yeah, this will be great. Welcome. Uh, You've got I, mail. Yeah. <laughs> I asked Chris to join us, but to keep me on track that I don't go on too many tangents and also to remind me if I get it back completely wrong, because I would hate to be talking about something that happened at Jazz Fest that I had a strange dream about or something like that. Yes. So we are getting off our countdown for this episode. We will be back next week with more songs as we continue to go through the alphabet. But I say we, next week we're going to circle back. Ah, yes. there you go. <laughs> Very nice. If you guys will see next week's feed, you'll go, oh, that was very good. I saw what you did there. We, But as we were talking about, Sylvan did take the trip down to New Orleans. And Jazz Fest is something that I've always wanted to attend to our mandatory Springsteen reference. He's played it twice. He played in the Jazz Fest that was the first one after Katrina. And it there has been multiple articles written about how much that meant to the city because someone of that magnitude doing Jazz Fest. And then the second time was when he had the Seeger Sessions album and he was promoting. And the Seeger Sessions is all available on YouTube. Now, it's not in one piece. There's each song is individual, but you can see him doing the show. Um, and so I, I think we're just going to dive right into it. 
besides John appearing, has Jazz Fest been on your bucket list for a while, Sylvan? Yeah. As we talked about in the very first conversation I had when I was just a guest on the set lusting Bruce during Hyatt month, I was born in New Orleans, but I was taken from there when I was still a very little baby. I'd only been back a couple of times before, never to see music. So Jazz Fest was something that I had heard about. I caveat to what I just said that I had never been there for Jazz Fest. I was there in utero in 1978 or 79. Sorry. And so it was something that I'd always heard about. It's, of course, a legendary music fest. And when I started getting really into John, my mom and I would travel from state to state. And somewhere along the lines, we said, oh, wouldn't it be cool to see John in all 50 states? Or short of that, wouldn't it be great to see him in some of the most significant states, Louisiana being one of them? And I got a text a few months ago from my half-sister, Sarah, who said, John Hyde is playing Jazz Fest. And I said, okay, this is it. This is the bucket list opportunity that I've been waiting 43 years for. And I wrangled in a friend who likes music but was not yet familiar with John. This was his introduction to John playing live, and I played a few songs for him before. I also realized as we were traveling to Jazz Fest the first day and I was making notes about all the cover versions that I wanted to hear and all the examples of the times that I'd been able to talk to John in the past were flooding my mind. I turned to Chris and I said, I have really not prepared you well for this. (laughs) (laughs) And meanwhile, I also had printed out some little business cards for the podcast because I knew When you're sitting there before a John Hyatt show, everyone wants to tell you their story. And if people wanted to tell me their story, I wanted to invite them to be part of this. So I think I had 150 printed. I came home with about 30. If you're listening to this and you have one of those cards, please, I wasn't just kidding. Send us an email and let us know what song you'd like to discuss. Or if you just want to share your John Hyatt story. So before I get into setting up for the actual John show, Jazz Fest, for those who don't know, is a huge festival. It takes course over two weeks. The first weekend is three days, solid from 11 o'clock in the morning until 7 o'clock at night when it starts getting dark because it's in an area without a lot of lights. It's in a giant horse racetrack. I don't know before I got there. So there's a stage that can probably fit more people than the largest venue in Vermont, about 3,000 people. Um, which we saw quite packed full at different times, mostly for, I think, John Batiste was probably the biggest crowd. What do you think, Chris? Oh, definitely. Although I was surprised just how many people ended up at Herbie Hancock. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the festival, that was one of the last uh, big acts there. And uh, there were more people outside of the tent than inside. Yeah. Good point. There are two large stages, the main stage, the Shell Gentilly stage, because of course everything has to have a corporate sponsor, and then two huge tents on either side of the track, the blues tent and the jazz tent. And then John ended up playing what they called the Faye Doe. Is that what I was corrected? I Before I went to Jazz Fest, I was calling it the Fade Do, and then my sister corrected me, and I was like, oh, like everything else about New Orleans, I've been saying it wrong my entire life, <laughs> which was this really neat little venue. At first, it seemed small because you're walking by these huge stages, but there's also an app where people can say, I want to see this and that, and then you can see the counts of how many people want to see all these venues, which normally... I would say I'm going to avoid the largest crowds and hope that the John Hyatt interest isn't above a thousand people. But of course, this is a one once in a lifetime opportunity. So as I was seeing it crawl up from 600 people to over a thousand people, I was like, yeah, this is going to be great. So the first day that we got there Thursday, uh, we saw a really neat bluesy kind of act called Cowboy Mouth. They were great, high energy. They did a little sing-along. 
We wandered around. We saw Buddy Guy from a distance. I was hoping I could hear him play Feels Like Rain. I didn't hear that. I'm not even sure if he did it because I haven't yet found the set. And then there was just desire everywhere. People were in a really good mood walking around. Santana closed it off. So that from 11 to 7 p.m., it was just a little bit of fighting the FOMO um, that you're sitting there listening to an act that you probably wouldn't have an opportunity to see. But at the same time, you're thinking there are literally 10 other concerts going on right now. And I bet all of them are just as good as the one that I'm sitting at. One of the the things that I think is good advice for not only a festival, but a convention or even Dreamforce, if you're a Salesforce guy or gal, is going to Disney, wherever you want. Too many people are worried about what they're not seeing and not focused on enjoying what they're seeing. And the reality is you can't see everything. So you make your best plan and then you have a backup plan and then you really focus on what that act you're hearing. I I find that's really true in a lot of comic conventions that people like, oh, I didn't get into this panel or I didn't instead. And they're worried about it instead of going. I did want to ask, where are you guys staying in the quarter? Where were you? Where were your accommodations? We were quarter adjacent, I think I would say. Another nice thing is that they had lots of hotel blocks, obviously, because people were coming from literally across the world. We ended up on the bus next to people from Switzerland, was it? And Poland, Switzerland. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Literally anywhere on the planet you could talk to someone from. And they had what they called the Jazz Fest Express. It must have been dozens, if not hundreds of buses just going in a circle from the hotels, which were in downtown, out to the racetrack, dropping people off in hundreds at a time. And it sounds, for me, who's an introvert, (laughs) surprise, here I am talking about myself on a podcast, but I do consider myself an introvert. That almost sounded hellish, like huge yeah. groups of people just being moved like cattle from one place to another. It was very well organized. They always had those turnstile kind of rows of people leading you to and fro. So it was never that claustrophobic feeling of being really closed in together. Um, so what you could say is you were going to and fro from the Fredo Dope. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Insert groan here, Mike. My eyes rolled so hard in the back of my head it was audible across the room. No, I will, so don't tell me to do stuff. I will. Yes, continue, please. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain here. You caught me just finishing up some editing on Getting Real with John and Beth. I want to share my first experience with Factor Meals for you. I think you'll find this interesting because I bet the same thing happens to you. I had just received my first shipment from Factor Meals the other day, and I was excited to try one of the prepared restaurant-quality meals for myself. Anyway, I was working away and noticed it was very late, and it was my night to make dinner. I jumped up and headed to the kitchen, went to grab the ingredients for the dish I was going to make, and realized I was missing a prime ingredient. Well... I could make a run to the store, or I could make one of my new factor meals. (laughs) Actually, the choice was easy. I grabbed a cavatappi, an Italian-style pork ragu with garlic broccoli, heated the oven per instructions, and minutes later was enjoying a very delicious, nutritious, and dietitian approved meal. It really was everything Factor Meals said it would be. No prep, no mess meals. Factor Meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. Take it from me and head to factormeals.com slash Pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. That's factormeals.com slash Pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain again with something every podcast listener and music junkie needs to hear. As I'm sure you can guess, I listen to a lot of podcasts. 
I also listen to a lot of music, so having high-quality headphones and earbuds are absolutely critical to my day. Oh, and I have numerous pairs. In fact, I have a junk drawer of used devices that have bitten the dust, so I've tried them all. Recently, I was sent a pair of earbuds by Raycon, and the first thing I noticed was the cost. Uh, Looks like their products are about half the price of other premium brands. Okay, that's cool. And the reviews seem pretty stellar. Okay, checks that box. So I got my Raycon Everyday Earbuds, a nice packaging to open, and what I immediately noticed were the pack of ear tips for sizing. Uh, I'll tell you, I have small ear canals. Uh, I know, a flaw. So to see choices for the best fit, uh, especially while exercising, <laughs> oh yeah. And yes, they were immediately comfortable. Sound quality was great too. Plus, I have three EQ options that I love because I like more bass in my music and less in the podcasts. Eight hours of playtime for the battery is great as well. Surround sound, noise canceling, and awareness mode all included. I think I'm in business. And I just realized I've had them in all day. Like I said, super comfortable. Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Okay, so that first day, we also, being newbies, didn't know anything about if you are going to Jazz Fest, you should have a plan for what you're going to do when Jazz Fest ends. So we were talking to some lovely people, and they're like, so which show are you seeing tonight? And we're like, tonight, it's over, right? And they're like, no, all the stages in downtown New Orleans, you have your pick. We're going to see the North Mississippi All-Stars at Tipitina's. And I was like, what? Because being it's, from New Orleans, yeah, Tipitina's is a landmark. Yep. If I had been just going, I would have gone to any show there. And then it happened to be with the band that recorded an album with John and toured with John for years and years and who I have met. I mentioned that on Facebook posting that Luther Dickinson owes me a favor. In fact, I met him outside of Hampton Beach Casino where he promised to get my fanzine autographed by the whole band. And I never did get that particular copy back from him. So we went to Tipitina's that evening, which was, did we take the bus or did we walk to tips from the hotel? (laughs) Boy, that's a good question. That's a good question. All right. (laughs) Let's say that we took the bus and... It was this, you know, teeny tiny little club, but they had posters up on every single flat surface of just about any band that you could imagine. And for a really small, gritty club, the sound was great. The opening act was a female kind of funky artist. I'm so sorry. I can't remember that. I really should have taken better notes, but I'm a day out of coming off of a plane. And then the North Mississippi All-Stars, if anyone has seen them when they open for John or on their own, so much energy and so much fun. And we were just dancing up a storm up on the balcony of tips. Then we went home and it was day two, Friday, same thing, get on the bus. Meanwhile, I, I should mention that most people refer to Jazz Fest not as just a music festival, but a food and music festival. We were eating alligator and beignets and gumbo, and it was amazing. And <gasps> beignets! I was going to ask if you got crawfish, Monica, because that's one of the official dishes. No? Okay. It's basically crawfish and pasta, so it's good. Yeah, so I was probably the one way we didn't eat crawfish. I was going to ask where you were eating. Did you do most of the eating in at the fairgrounds or at the racetrack? Those days, yeah, we did have one nice dinner out. Trying to remember. Oh, we went to the seafood place and we just had an appetizer at one point, but that was enough. Yeah, Uh, and uh, (laughs) and but oh boy, uh, we had everything. I think. Yeah. And I haven't even gotten to the, after the festival, we decided that, uh, 
The only thing that we couldn't manage to do was walk because the other thing is, again, think of a horse track. This is miles long. You're going from one stage to the other. We're putting in so many steps. So no guilt at all. We did have a, a giant frozen cream puff day one. The only thing I think we went back for twice was the ice cream sandwiches, which were like Frisbees of these homemade chocolate cakes with vanilla ice cream in between. They were really good. Yeah, well, they hit the um, spot. Yeah. So now that we've spoiled everyone's diet, about <laughs> Friday was an exciting day because both Irma Thomas and Marsha Ball were on the schedule. And those are both people who have not only covered John Hyatt, but been on the John Hyatt tribute album and are each in their own right, New Orleans legends. I was really excited to see them. They were on the festival stage, the biggest stage. So we didn't get to see either close up. In both cases, they are, I believe Marsha is 78 and Irma is 82. We were overhearing someone saying, Marcia sounds so great for 78. And then we saw Irma Thomas and it wasn't, she sounds great for 82. It was, she sounds incredible. She sounds exactly as she did when she was 20. She bought her grandson out who did a little freestyle rap, which was so fun and unexpected and great. And it was like this love that you could feel radiating between the two of them, the respect for the elder musician and the next generation. And there, I don't think there was a single person there that was at all impatient with that. What do you think, Chris? Everyone had this feeling of support for this young kid who you could tell was nervous, but was great. Oh yeah. No people stood up. They started off doing a little duet and then he just did his freestyle thing and that was unexpected and that really the crowd just yeah. all started screaming and everybody yeah. was unexpected. So it was like, yeah, everybody got up and it was a real, it was a real moment between 10,000 people or so. And after that was John Baptiste playing with them on the Jen Harris was another cover of John C.J. Chenier and the Red Hot Louisiana band. We didn't get a chance to get over it and see them. We, at that point, were a little bit failing us. So we decided to try to beat the crowds and not have to stand in line for an hour to get the shuttle bus home, which thankfully we didn't. And I'll say shame on me for not getting every moment of Jazz Fest out of me. But this was Friday and I knew that Saturday was the big one that it was Jen was playing. Yeah. I, I think that's a smart decision. By the way, I wanted to talk. I've been lucky enough to see Marsha Ball two or three times here in Dallas. She is full of energy. Linda loves the fact that she crosses her legs as she plays her keyboard. Yes. <laughs> so I don't know if you've ever gotten close enough to see that. You um, did see that. Yes. Yes. Uh. Just truly a a wonderful musician so yeah oh and and i completely forgot so as we were leaving that day we saw marcia join irma for simply the best and it was a fantastic duet and that woman power and marcia was wearing this beautiful white dress which of course it had her legs crossed as she was playing the keyboards earlier but then they were just standing holding hands rocking and saying simply the best that's awesome all the rest. it was really awesome yes <laughs> i sorry i am babbling up a storm so you are doing fine had to listen so to- you're tired friday night did you guys go out to eat what'd you do did you see another band i don't think we even went out to eat i think we were so full from the oh, festival right that it, we were- yeah it was funny because there was all this delicious food but you would get full because the temperatures and the humidity zapped your appetite a little bit. But uh, yeah, so I think Friday we, uh, oh, uh, I, yeah, it wasn't one night. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And it was like, let's pick up a pizza somewhere on the way back to the hotel and put our feet up, rest up because 
Saturday yeah, is going to yeah, be a big day. We ate a small dinner on purpose, I think, at one point. <laughs> All right. So, so Saturday, right? Saturday, we wake up. It's pouring rain. It is lightning outside. I open up the Jazz Fest app, and it says, we are delaying our opening by two hours. And I'm thinking to myself, what does that mean? Are they cutting every set short and squeezing them together? Are they just not doing the first few sets of the morning? And when can we get in line? Because I want to be at the Fay Dodo stage. And I also want to somehow manage to have some kind of cover because this rain isn't blowing out for a while. It turned out that they just cut the first two acts of the day and my heart breaks for these people who had probably wanted to play Jazz Fest for years and then didn't get a chance to. Um, but thankfully, John got his full set. We arrived. That was the one day we brought chairs because we knew we weren't going to be going from place to place. We threw our chairs down right up against the soundboard. I was hoping by doing that, I would have a chance to talk to the person who ran sound for John. And I did. And I handed him one of my business cards and it was boring and muddy and miserable. (laughs) And we sat there and listened to every band and every band was so professional and they put on a great show. They got people dancing, even in the mud at one point. There was a nice little mud track out in front of the stage, which another reason I was glad to be up by the soundboard. And we bought one of ourselves each, those horrible saran wrappy ponchos. Yep. And we were wet to start when we put them on. So we were uncomfortable and sweaty and it was rough. And then maybe 10 minutes before John came on, it went from like, a downpour to something resembling a drizzle. And I said, okay, I'm going to do a round. And so I took my cell phone and I did as much of a lap as I could around the audience that had gathered and was obviously ready for John. And I approached each person I could and said, I do a podcast. I'd love to hear what you have to say about why you like John or what your favorite John Hyatt song is. So I think I got a total of a dozen interviews with people and they're all very nice. One person startled me by saying, Hey, Sylvan. And I, Oh, hi. (laughs) It was a listener to the podcast. So thank you so much for listening. And thank you for saying hi. Sorry for being socially awkward, but that's my brand. Did that little lap. And then I made it back just as John and the goners were taking the stage and should I just go ahead and talk about the set list or? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I would like to just take a moment to say that it's only happened to me a couple of times at a Bruce show where someone has come up and said, Jesse, I listened to the podcast and catching someone in the wild is always mind blowing. Right. Yes. Uh, so yes, I can imagine that was very cool. So nice. Yes. Yeah. The difficulty with New Orleans is it doesn't get that much cooler sometimes when it's raining. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like in, I remember a few years ago, it was raining all day when Dallas, when Bruce did an outdoor show, he did an outdoor show here in, in, it was in downtown Dallas. And so it was chilly with the rain. New Orleans, I can imagine. It's wet. It's humid. Yeah, not not just, wonderful. Just yeah. throw the crawfish in already because you're going to yeah. cook some crawfish in that heat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Had you, because this is a festival, all things are off on a set list, right? Because is it is a different amount of time than a normal standard concert. They are normally a little bit shorter. They have a... They have a less of a window. Like even if you're someone who normally does two, three hour shows, you just can't on that because there's a very tight because we got another band coming. Let's so you did you have any expectations on the set list? 
the other thing is that John has written so many songs in New Orleans or about New Orleans. And he shared that pretty much every time he comes to New Orleans, he's inspired to write a song. And so I had a little crib sheet of which of those I'd want to hear. One that I did not hear was Walk On, which I think would have been great. And I am the first to admit I am super spoiled. I have seen John on average three times a year since 1993. I've heard a lot of John's songs and I've heard a lot of John's songs over and over again. I never feel like, oh, I wish I wasn't hearing this song, but I do sometimes feel like, ah, I wish I could also hear X, Y, and Z. It used to be, I wish I could hear the really old stuff. Now I have to be honest. And I think doing the podcast with you, Jesse, is proving this to me. His new stuff is just as strong as his old stuff. So I want to hear a set list that maybe has a couple of older ones, but also like a majority of the new stuff only because I haven't had a chance to hear those yet. So that was my expectation. The reality turned out to be And I should have known this because he was playing with the Goners, Sonny Landreth, Kenny Blevins, who I managed to get a card to and fingers crossed. Kenny held on to that. And we're going to hear from him, the drummer and Dave Manson, the bass player. They started with John around the time of Bring the Family. They recorded Slow Turning with John. So those are the songs that they know the best and that they're most known for putting their stamp on. So expectation was certainly there. Should I head in? Let's go through the the set list. Yes. Okay. The first song, Tennessee Plates, strong opener. You can't get better than a car theft and a little high energy to start off. Second, your dad did classic and everyone loves it. Everyone loves singing along. I'm a little surprised it's that early. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah, I like that. Third song with many asterisks, which I'm going to talk about briefly, and that's going to transition into my blabbing about my personal life, was Feels Like Rain. And after sitting in the rain for hours and hours, I think everyone in that audience wanted to hear Feels Like Rain. And they wanted to hear Feels Like Rain. They weren't saying, oh, my God, don't mention the rain. But I'll come back to that. Next, It'll Come to You, another very bluesy deep cut from So Turning. Next, I believe the newest song he played that day, The Tiki Bar is Open. Funky, swampy groove that worked really well. Drive South. Then they took a moment to get in Sonny Landris' car, and he drove for his song Congo Square, which I had heard before. And it was funny that everyone around us was saying, what was that song? And I was like, it's by Sonny Landris. And they're like... Oh, okay. <laughs> Next, Paper Thin, Slow Turning, Thing Called Love, of course. Last, official song of the set, Memphis in the Meantime. And for those of us who remember sharing set list uh, on various places, he always changes up who country star he referenced during that song. It was another Blake Shelton reference. And he did a great little sing-along where he divided the crowd into thirds, where one part said, mem, then the next part said, this, and then the next part went, ho, ho, ho. And I believe we were the ho, yes. Yes. That yes. is awesome. And you did a great job. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Finally, writing with the king. So I guess that would t- technically be the oldest song on the set, 1983. And... Uh, he mentioned, of course, BB and Eric for that. And then everyone clapped their hands until they were raw, their wrinkled, wet hands until they were raw. And either way, I tried to catch a couple more people with the cards, but I, it was when you're looking forward to something for literally your whole life, how can it live up to the expectation, right? Yeah, exactly. It did. That's, That's all tough. I can say. And it was also very special being there with a friend who had never seen John for the first time and I was singing feels like rain and we know the lyrics to that. I won't go into them, but a lot of memories were flooding back to me and I was a little emotional because of what the song meant to me and the memories I had of John. So if now is the time to take a break 
I will ask anyone who is still listening after all this babbling to give me a little bit more patience because I'm going to babble in some personal stuff. All right. So we'll take our break here and we'll come right back. Yeah, the food is cold. Your wife feels old, but all hands fold as a two-year-old says grace. She says, help the starving children to get well. But let my brother's hamster burn in hell. And we're back talking more about uh, the Jazz Fest. I guess, though, the official title, right, is Jazz and Heritage Festival. New Orleans Jazz and Heritage Festival. Yes. Yes. And there, I all the crafts and the demonstrations and all. Again, it wasn't just seeing John Hyatt there. This is something that I really think that everyone should have a chance to do. It is just nonstop party. And it's also short of a really small festival around here called the Keen Music Fest. The only festival I've been at where people were consistently in a good mood, polite. Mm-hmm. Usually you're at something like this. You're standing all day. You're waiting to get on the bus. You're elbow to elbow and shoulder to shoulder with people. And you just get tired of it. And people get sure. cranky like little toddlers. Yeah. Was there any of that, Chris? No, everyone was great. Patient and friendly. And I'll just add that the- you had a few of your John Hyatt t-shirts on and I'm amazed at just how many people came up and started talking to you about John Hyatt there. Yes. So I'm used to that. And good point that yes, as yeah. we're walking around, they're like, Oh, are you going to see his set? Or, Oh, did you see Sonny? Or how many times have you seen him? And I do love that question when people are like, Oh, I'm a huge John Hyatt fan. And of course, as soon as I heard that out came the card, but usually yeah. it's like, Someone says to me, I'm a huge John Hyatt fan. And then, sure. (laughs) Yeah, it is. That's hilarious. I love that, according to the set list, they added Feels Like Rain, right? They did. You got a copy. So that was an audible. I thought that's great. One of the things, once again, take a drink. Bruce will throw out, who'll stop the rain? If he's on an out there venue and it's raining, they'll call that audible and they'll do a version of who'll stop the rain. So I love the fact that he did feels like rain. And if you have not gone to our Facebook page and seen the pure joy of our wonderful Sylvan talking about right after the show, just soaking wet, like like a drowned fill in the blank here. Going, Alligator. Yeah, it's all worth it because I got to hear feels like rain in New Orleans, and you just were you looked so happy. And I was feeling incredibly grateful because all of the memories that I had previously were piling on to that one beautiful moment and. Like I said, the crowd was so positive, even being wet and sticky and having this annoying person throw their phone in their face and ask them about their favorite John Hyatt song. Everyone was just really great. So the difference between New Orleans Jazz and Heritage Festival or any festival that's held in New Orleans, Louisiana, and a concert held anywhere else in this country is that in Nolens, it's all family. It's all everything. It's all in. It's all, let's all get along. Let's all have a fun time. Let's not like, that's, we have all this strife and everything else in the world. Let's sit in the mud, get wet and listen to good music. That's what it is. That's what it's always been. And no amount of outsiders and tourists flooding this situation could change that. Hmm. The, the local. No, no vibe one out over everything else and there's so many and it's so weird set list fm does not have john's list yet nobody's added it yet on set list fm because i was i wanted to see obviously you told us what it was but i still like looking at the titles 
because the interesting thing for me with John is that whether it's the 1980s, 90s, whatever, like the man has aged, but his style and the way he does his songs has not changed in 40 or 50 years. It has, it has stayed consistent. And the thing about consistency is he's an artist, as far as I know in my short little time of researching him, is that he will put on a different show every night, mostly. You're going to have your – but like Jesse said earlier about one of the songs, be, oh, it was that early and sometimes it's later. Sometimes – he may still play slow turning. He may still play have little faith, but it just depends on where. And that's what I love about certain musicians. If they go out and they give you a, di- even though they're the same songs, they go out and give you a different show, a different feel every night. That's a musician you want to see live all the time. Absolutely. No argument on any of those points. And I will also ask Chris, I think this is literally the only time I have seen John even as an opening act with a small set list of five, six songs that I have not heard have a little faith in me. I was going to mention that. Um, it, but once again, it's a, you have a very limited amount of time and it sounds like a wonderful set list. It really was pretty amazing. Now, was that the last day of the fest, or did you have one more day of music? We had uh, one more day of music, which was nice because we needed to come down after that. And we had <laughs> sun the next day. It was even nicer. We could dry out a little bit. Okay, good. So just quickly, it was great. It continued to be great. At one point on Sunday, we were super hot, so we decided to just wander into the nearest air conditioning venue and we ended up being 12 feet away from Melissa Etheridge doing an interview and she performed two songs with just her acoustic guitar and played drums on the back of her guitar and it was amazing. I loved how professional that she was that she had also done a set on the main stage. She gave just as much commitment and attention to every single person who asked her a question in that room and every single person in that room as she did when they're with 7,000 people around her. And the woman looks goddamn <laughs> rocking leather pants in 85 degrees humidity. <laughs> so. That is awesome. Yes. That is yes. awesome. Good. Let's exclude John. Who was your favorite act you saw? Irma. Irma okay. Thomas was amazing. As mm-hmm. I said, she sounded just as good as anything and she yeah I mean it it was another situation like could you call it gospel could you call it blues was it just something that defies genre of music and the crowd I think they Louisiana crowd thinks of her as a patron saint you could feel that energy moving back and forth between them and yeah, and the fact that she brought her grandson on it was amazing. Yeah. Chris, I'm going to put you on the spot. Being a Hyatt virgin novice, what were your thoughts of the show? Knowing that <laughs> Sylvan's listening and you can... Uh, <laughs> yeah, no pressure at all. <laughs> Signed up for this one. I thought it was a great shit set. It was... Uh, Rockin', it was, the crowd was right into it, and it was, it like everything out of, I guess I thought I expected, as far as like a decent show. I was ready for a good time, and here it came. So that was a, that was a good thing. And, and it was a, a crowded, but small, Area, venue, area. Mm-hmm. Uh, the tent was probably a lot larger than it looked. When you're in the crowd, it looks a little small. I don't know how to explain it, but, uh, like. There was an intimate feeling. This yeah. Yeah. Being, we thought 900 people there, right? I was guessing probably about that. 
maybe more. I don't know. It we couldn't see behind us very much yeah. uh, with the soundboard right there, but uh, it was uh, everybody was pretty well packed and dancing, moving around, and it was good. How about you? Who's your favorite exclusion, John? Of course. No, um, I heard I heard a little thing about. Molly Tuttle and watched a couple of her videos and I thought that would be something special to see it. And she was actually on the same stage I, a day or two earlier. And I thought that was a pretty good show, but I was just amazed at everything. There were jazz bands that were marching bands walking through the festival that you could just come across and try to make your way through this and, and they were putting all their energy into it. And, you know, I didn't see anybody there that looked like they were straining to perform. It was, everyone was just having a great time. To celebrate my birthday, I guess back in 2017, maybe 2018, I can't remember exactly, but <clears throat> I was still taking chemo. And so they... Linda wanted to take me some to New Orleans for my birthday. And we did what we've always talked about doing is we went to the French street, which is outside of the quarter, booked a room and we never, ever went to the quarter. We just stayed at Frenchman street, which they talk a lot. If you ever seen the show Treme and it before COVID, there were three or four nothing but music venues. And so we slept in, slept till 10 or 11, got up, and then just went from club to club music, would take breaks. And we did see John Batiste. We saw some other people just in these small little clubs. And it was a lot of fun focusing on just the music. And and it is a cliche, but it is true. It is hard to get a bad meal in New Orleans, mm-hmm. no matter which restaurant you go to. And it is usually tough to get a bad show because there, whether it's the, a guy playing, you would think, why is they're watching this cover band, but they're fun and they're got joy to them. And then these little musicians, this sounds wonderful. This sounds like a, great time. What have you not covered, Sylvan, that we should? I just wanted to talk a little bit about Feels Like Rain and what it meant to me to hear it not only before Jazz Fest, but at Jazz Fest specifically. And to the people, plural, that shouted it out and requested it, usually I roll my eyes at people who make audience requests because John knows what he's doing. But as we found out, it wasn't on his printed set list. They made an adjustment in the middle of the song. They started talking amongst each other. You could tell that the goners were kind of, are we going to really do that? What are we going to cut? I believe they cut Have a Little Faith in Me to Brain. And thank you, because yeah. that was definitely the highlight. I'm going to go back to 2005. And I'm going to share a couple of stories about actually meeting John. We did not have a chance to meet John this time. I was a little disappointed, but I also know that I've had more than my 15 minutes with my hero. So how can I possibly complain? And I have stories beyond the ones I'm going to share right now. I'm grateful for each and every one of them. These are some that I'm the most grateful for. So in 2005, as we know and remember, Katrina hit New Orleans. And as I shared on this podcast before, I was in New Orleans. But my biological father never signed my birth certificate. And I had had no him or any for ever. At that point, I was 26 years old. And... I had made my peace with that because I was told that they didn't want me in their life. And okay, you 
um, when you're put up for an adoption or you have one parent who doesn't want to be part of your life, you make a peace with it. And that is also a big part of what John's music meant so much to me. His stories about a love parents who are devoted to children always gave me some solace. Um, when Katrina hit, I knew my family was still in New Orleans. I didn't even know all their names. And as we, any of us who lived through that time might remember, the news was pretty nonstop and pretty in terms of the people who were suffering, who were dying in their homes. And it was really hard on me because despite never meeting these people, I love them and I care deeply about whether they were okay. And it just so happened that between the time that Katrina hit and what I will share after this, John was playing in Vermont. Really send my thoughts out to anyone who's missing someone, anyone who's suffering. And can we all just send a whole boatload of money down to the New Orleans? And I did have to talk to John after that show. And with tears in my eyes, I told him how much it meant to me to hear him say that. And I told him that I had not met my dad and I didn't know if he was alive or dead. And John being not only the great musician he is, but the kind soul he is, listened to my story, my very awkwardly great compassion and just took it all in. And he expressed his sympathy and he said, I hope that things work all right. Please take care of yourself. And I, re- I really felt that he meant it. Mm. Three days after that, I got an email. I have an explanation, but it was a link to a photo album of a family in the floodwaters of Katrina. And I saw for the very first time. Wow. I had no idea who had sent it, what it meant. But I replied back and I said, thank you. And please let me know if they're okay, if there's anything I can do. And the reply I got back to that was my biological father admitting that he wasn't sure if he could reach out to me after ignoring me for most of my life. Mm. Um, But that it meant a great deal to him. And in that email, the sentence that stood the most was when he was telling me that because of the internet, he could keep tabs on me. He said, I know you love John Hyatt. And just reading those words meant that my father knew me, at least to some regard, because John's music is such a big part of not just what I love, but who I am. So from there, it wasn't exactly a happy ending. Chris and I made a pact that we were not going to see my dad because I have tried to reach out to him and it hasn't gone well over the years. We have not been able to build a close relationship. I will share that going back to the North Mississippi All-Stars, I did get Master of Disaster hand signed to Jay, my dad, by John. And at that point, I got a chance to meet John and I asked him to sign it for Jay. And I said, I don't really expect you to remember this, but I told you about my family being missing in Katrina and you were very kind and I'd really like you to sign this for my dad because I have met my dad now and he knows how much you mean to me. Wow. And the point I wanted to make about that, and even why I'm bringing this up now is that memory of him playing feels like rain at that particular moment meant so much to me. And since then that's the memory that comes back to me when I hear feels like rain, that feeling lost, that feeling of a connection that was so important. I did not have that. I would do anything to reach out and get that somehow that song captured in that moment. But he not remembering when I was explaining to him that I had talked to him about not knowing my dad and not knowing if he was alive during Katrina. And I said, that's okay, because you were so kind to me then, and you've always been so kind to me. It doesn't matter that this strange girl keeps 
phone comments to you and about how much you mean to her. And each time you might have a faint recollection of something she had before, but he doesn't know me. And I do have more of a connection to John than the average fan does, but he doesn't need to think of me and know the details of my story because anytime that I've been able to share any detail of my story, he has shown me care and compassion and just been the kind of person, artist that you want your idol to be that is willing to pause and take you in that moment. And there are too many moments for him to remember them all. But the fact that he has done that more than once means everything to me. And it's the kind of person I want to be, whether it is listen to this podcast or someone who I run into at the grocery store. I want to take that moment and fully recognize that human being in front of me and take them in. So thank you, John. I've said thank you times. I'm sorry to cut you off. Let me ask it's you. Okay. How many times have you met John since starting the fanzine in 93? I have. Oh, gosh, I should know this. <laughs> I think I'm up to 16 issues of the fanzine, and I've gotten them all autographed. So that's at least 16. And then there's been a few on either side of any of those. Yeah. So my point in asking you is that you essentially get quite literally stolen moments with him a lot of the time. <laughs> so you're right. He's not going to remember all of them, but you remember all of them because they were moments for you in time with your idol. Like I have been trying to get, and, and I'm sorry to make this about me at this point. I've been trying no, that's, to. That's the whole point. If we all have these things yeah. that matter so, so much to us. For yeah. the past, I don't know, probably f- close to 15 years of me podcasting, I've been trying to get an interview with David Hasselhoff because in 1986, I was six years old. I was a kid with cerebral palsy. So I have cerebral palsy on my right side, on my whole, the whole brain all the way down to my foot. When I was six years old in 1986, I was at the Boston Budweiser Expo, essentially the Boston version of the Carl Casper Custom Auto Show from Louisville, Kentucky. They had the kit car there. They had the Ghostbusters car there. They had all this stuff. I got a photo in kit, and I got a photo with David Hasselhoff. The photo of me and David Hasselhoff is he's leaning over his six-foot forever frame is leaning over this little kid and he is holding my hand with his. So I have a moment with him that I can never forget. I don't expect him to remember something that happened 40 years ago. I That's never been a thing. And that's the thing. When we have these moments with the people that we look up to, the people that have influenced us over our lives, those are our moments. And if they remember them, that's awesome. That's great. Oh, yeah, I do remember you. Or, oh, yeah, I ran into you here. Or you were at this show or whatever. The thing about the New Orleans Jazz and Heritage Festival is it's a jazz and heritage festival. It's not a normal concert. You're not mm-hmm. going to get the normal concert experience. You're, As I mentioned earlier, you're going to get that thing of family. It doesn't matter who's in the mud or who's not in the mud or who has what. It, you're all there to experience the music and the heritage and all the other stuff. Yeah, I totally agree. And what a great story. And it almost, these are one of those times where it almost seems like fiction, right? If you saw this in a movie, right? Like you, Oh, I Katrina and worried about my father. And then we find out, and then the feels like rain and in new Orleans, after it had been raining with the, the loss of him not wanting to keep that connection, right? It mm-hmm. just, it, I could definitely see the emotion on it that was, that's pretty special. I don't know if you guys are going to be able to see this. Probably not, but that's the kid car. <laughs> and, and that's, yes. I wish so, I could see you better. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's on Facebook. The funny yeah. thing is the lady, was the assistant to the photographer, I wouldn't look at the camera. I wanted to drive the car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is awesome. 
I love that story. Thank you so much. That's so great. Thank um, you for um, giving me this episode to share it because I, I, I needed to share it. And I absolutely there's going to be so much to talk about when we actually get to feels like rain that I want to be able to just shorthand anyone who wants to hear that can go back. But yeah. But the thing of it is you're doing a review podcast where you're reviewing every single song of an artist. I'm not saying these episodes have to be an hour and a half, two hours, three hours long, but when you have something that affects you in a way that it does, and you want to talk about it, you want to share it with the audience, do it. Yes. yes. It, and it, it's like that shoe company that has that check. Just do it. Yeah. And the idea is one of the things that I hope this is an example to our listeners is I am sure there are songs besides Have a Little Faith or you know, something Memphis in the meantime or something else where there's a personal connection. That there is that, and we would love for them, if they feel like sharing, to join us to talk about that and to tell why that song means so much to them as we go through this journey. So I feel this like is, sharing. Exactly. <laughs> so, again, listening to the podcast and also editing. The, see, that's the thing. Like, I end up listening to this thing three different times. Like, I will edit it. I will get it. I will get it to Jesse. I will listen to the file. Oh, crap. I screwed up. Somewhere, that kind of thing. And when I was listening to, oh, what is, Sylvan, what is the one that I sent the feedback? And not Cherry Red, the other is Come Back Home. Yeah. Car- and, what's the Come Home to You? Carry no, Me Home. That's, yeah, the 90 10, Jesse, the 50 50. The, yeah. yeah. So that song basically was my late wife and I and how we handled our relationship. It was like, if one could do stuff, great. If the other could do stuff, great. Whatever. The thing with Cherry Red is that you don't, like, I I mentioned I got my photo with David Hasselhoff. My mom got a photo with David Hasselhoff, except, you know, where he's holding my hand and leaning over me, he basically rescues her. He basically, I don't have, I wish I had this photo. I need to find it. I don't know who has it, but like literally he's holding my mother in 1986 in his arms and took a photo with her for the whole photo session. So it's one of those things where when you guys in cherry red, were talking about the photograph for a dollar or the photograph, whatever. And you had mentioned Jesse about, Oh, why didn't the two people take it together? You want those single moments for each person. So that way each person has a moment with, Whatever it is, whatever the photograph is. And Cherry Red just was a, like you guys said in the episode, a fun song, an interesting song. And it just, yeah, I'm loving going through the journey so far. That sounds great. Yes. Anything else we need to cover before we get out of here? Go to Jazz Fest if anyone gets the chance. And I would love it if anyone listening to this episode has a festival in their backyard that they felt had a similar vibe. I, I will go out on a limb and take a stand and say there is nothing like Jazz Fest exactly. But go ahead and flood us with festivals that we could uh, travel to or just that you love. And any experiences doesn't have to be of this scale. Absolutely. Chris, did we scare you off? Maybe you'll <laughs> come back on another one. Oh, this has been great. This has been great. Good. I'm glad. I'm very nice. Mike, I feel like you've been a co-partner for a long time. So thank you for leaving behind the curtain for a change of pace and joining us. You are always welcome. Pay no attention Uh, to that fool behind the curtain. Yes. (laughs) Sylvan, if someone wants to reach us, how can they can find our Facebook page, the perfectly good podcast. I am Sylvan Groff on Facebook. We are making ourselves quite at home at the John Hyatt Facebook group. I am Sylvan Green Eyes on Twitter and it's perfectly good PD at Gmail, correct? That's correct. Yeah. All right. And I am at Jesse Jackson DFW on Twitter. 
Mike, go ahead and give your Twitter address in case someone wants to talk to Mr. Editor. For me, I am all about the social media. I, even though I know New Orleans is that small, I don't do, I don't do small places. I don't do large places. I sit here in front of Google Maps and travel the world without leaving my house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am at TFU and Mike on Twitter. Yeah. And Mike hosts many podcasts. We have, he has been on Set Lesting Bruce in the past. We have talked Tom Zoller. Which, by the way, I saw on Friday night and Saturday. I had to catch up, and uh, we had oh, a great time. The mention of Tom, I, I did share this on Facebook. I forgot that the the final moment of hearing a John Hyatt cover fa- finally. Did I mention that? What it was? No, you did not on this show. Yes. Okay. okay. So that's a perfect so, way to end. Yes. So as we are leaving on the final day. I've been talking about, I need to see a cover, I need to see a cover. And as we're walking out, I start slowing down, and Chris turns to me and he says, is everything okay? And I'm like, shh, shh, shh. And we're passing Tom Jones on the main stage, and he has some familiar lyrics. And I'm like, this is a cover. What? What is it? And I'm like, across the borderline. It's a co-write, but it's a cover. It counts. It counts. And I'm flipping out. And as I'm flipping out, the song ends. And we hear Tom Jones speak to this crowd of 10,000 people. That was a Willie Nelson song. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. I'm that surprised Tom awesome. Jones can still get it up at Jazz Fest. Yeah. Hey, Tom is still hanging in there. I know. Well, all right. With that, we're going to call it a night. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, as always, Sylvan. This has been Thank such it is such a joy that we get to do this every week. Listeners, be safe, be kind, and we will talk to you soon. Goodbye. Have a little faith. Have a little faith. Have a little faith. Have a little faith. Such a long time, girl Expecting nothing in return Just for you to have a little faith in me You see, time, time is our friend Cause for us, there is no end And all you gotta do is have a little faith in me